from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Top of the morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast. I'm pre-recording this episode because when this airs, I'll be airborne and I'm traveling. And so uh, I try to do my best to make the show as live as possible in most days. Uh, but due to the nature of my full-time job being a CISO, there's sometimes where I ask your forgiveness. This is one of those. So for everyone tuning in this morning, thank you so much for spending your Monday morning with us here on the show. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you had a relaxing week and I hope you're ready for a full throttle week here of cybersecurity action because Friday to today to Sunday night when I'm recording this, a lot going on. Let's get right into it. If you missed my episode with Sue Bergamo on Friday, what were you thinking? I'm kidding. I'm joking. Great, great episode talking about the SEC cybersecurity rules, the role of the CISA. We talk a lot about Joe Sullivan and Tim Brown. Um, Just a great overall conversation. If you haven't given it a listen, give it a listen, please. You can also check out the shortcut and transcript on our Substack. Those are absolutely free for everyone. So go check it out, jamesazar.substack. Com. Now, join me. I'm having an espresso really late for all of y'all. But cup, cup, cheers, y'all. Things we do for love, as I like to say. All right, let's go ahead and kick off with Bloomberg letting us all know that $7.5 million of taxpayer money has been hacked. This was money that was given, it's grant money that the Department of Health and Human Services had issued last year uh, between late March and mid November. The uh, attackers gained access to an HHS system that processed civilian grant payments and withdrew around $7.5 million intended to be awarded to five different accounts. As federal stewards of taxpayer dollars, an HHS spokesperson said, (laughs) we take this issue with the utmost importance. It's taken you all nearly a year to report it to the people you owe accountability to, sir. Um, The attack has left unattended recipients in limbo and investigators trying to track down the culprits, underscoring how vulnerable the U.S. health system is, more or less how vulnerable the U.S. federal system really is. Um, Why is FISA not, yeah, just common sense, not so common. In October, the HHS Office of Information Security and the Health Sector Cybersecurity Coordination Center warned of the threat of phishing poses to the health sector. Yeah, there's a threat of phishing. There's also like y'all handle multi-millions, if not a billion dollar budget for, you know, kind of spreading money across for organizations in order to deal with healthcare and people who need the most help. Yet you're not being very good stewards of that money. And, and, and again, this was a private company. I may look at this different being a government agency. You know, you're a target. People are coming after you. This isn't anything new. You should do better. Um, You should do better. Apparently, uh, HHS determined that the attackers got in into the grantee domain email account, then used spear phishing emails targeting specific individuals and organizations and providing access to the grantee accounts. They then were able to access the payment management system and wire money to themselves. Um, And it's likely that they moved that money fast. Where is Secret Service here? And where is the ag on these types of matters um just a little bit of accountability would be really really helpful uh 
and restore faith in the fact that our taxpayer dollars aren't financing cybercrime. So a Chinese cyber espionage group is targeting organizations and individuals in China and Japan. It's remained under the radars for nearly five years, according to ESAD. They're being tracked under the name Blackwood. They've been active since at least 2018. The APT has been using adversary in the middle attacks to deploy a sophisticated implant via the updated mechanisms of legitimate software such as Sugo, Pinion, Tencent QQ, and WPS Office. Blackwood attacks are characterized by the deployment of the NSPX30, a sophisticated implant that includes a backdoor, a dropper, installers, loaders, and an orchestrator, and which can hide in its command and control communication through packet interception. NSPX30 has been used against a small number of victims, including some individuals in China and Japan, a Chinese-speaking individual linked to a British research university, a manufacturing and trade business in China, and Japanese engineering and manufacturing firms. The NSPX implant, according to ESET, appears to be the successor of what was called Project Wood and has served as a code base for various implants, including the 2018 Dark Spectre, which derived from it. So according to ESET, Blackwood likely deploys an, uh, an implant on the victim's network, possibly on vulnerable routers or gateway, then uses that to intercept unencrypted HTTP traffic related to updates and delivers the NSPX30 dropper instead. When launched, a backdoor creates a passive UDP listening socket with a port assigned by the operating system. The same port is likely used for both listening and commands and for data exfil. According to that, they've observed victims located outside of China, that is in Japan and the UK, against whom the orchestrator was able to deploy the back door. But you can see just how uh, elusive this really is. Ukraine and Russia are trading punches in cyber warfare, not just in the war. And we've always talked about how this war is really going to define the next level of warfare, right? I mean, we see what's going on in Israel and Gaza. That 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 has its own thing, and there's a, a lot of hacktivism going on there. These are two nation states fighting each other, not only in the battlefield, in the physical battlefield that's resulting in an unfortunate loss of life on both sides but also in the cyberspace. And we talked about early on when this war broke out nearly two years ago, wiper malware and all of that. Well, the main intelligence directorate of Ukraine's Ministry of Defense is, cl Defense, sorry, is claiming that pro-Ukrainian hacktivists breached the Russian Center for Space Hydrometeorology, a.k.a. Planeta, and wiped two petabytes of data. Petabytes, P-E-T-A-P-Y. Yes, that's greater than terabytes. Uh, Planeta is a state research center that uses space satellite, space satellite data and ground sources like radars and station to provide information and accurate predictions about weather, climate, natural disasters, extreme phenomena, and volcanic monitoring. The agency is affiliated with Roscosmos, Russia's space agency, and it supports sectors such as the military, civil aviation, agriculture, and maritime. In another case of state-affiliated hacking, Ukraine says cyber volunteers known as the BO team successfully breached Planeta's Far Eastern branch, the largest of the three. While the Ukrainian government doesn't say if they were involved in the attack, they claim the attackers destroyed 280 servers used by the research center, which held two petabytes of data. That's 2,000 terabytes worth of data. The massive volume uh, of information would be difficult and costly to store in backup. So if Ukraine claims are true, this could be catastrophic. Uh, the damage is estimated to be around $10 million. 
according to the Ukraine. Now, again, do you believe all of that? I don't. I think, you know, there's a level of psychological warfare uh, in what Ukraine's doing because, after all, Russia, on their end, attacked the Kiev data center as well. A a Ukrainian data center serving several state-owned companies was brought back some of its services on Friday after a cyber attack disrupted operations for customers on Thursday of last week. The Barkovoy facility in Kiev uh, said it restored data access for users on its private cloud infrastructure. Ukraine's national postal service provider, a railway and a large energy company were among the entities affected by the incident. Uh, Barkovoy said it's currently working on restoring damaged infrastructure for backup copies and plans to make it accessible within the next few days. The data center's website was down as of Friday afternoon. The engineering systems responsible for temperature regulation, power supply, fire safety, and security weren't working normally. Uh, they said they're investigating the incident. They're helping companies uh, affected by this. Uh, there's obviously uh, several victims. At least five U- Ukrainian organizations have reported their operations disrupted. The state-owned energy company, Naftogaz, uh, the Postal Service, State Railway, uh, DSBT, the agency responsible for transport safety, and the state television channel created for residents of the occupied areas of the Ukraine. So all in all, uh, no one's claiming responsibility, but it doesn't take far-fetched to look and see that this could be attributed to the Russians as part of the back and forth between the two countries. Sis said this week, informing organizations that some Westermo links industrial switches are affected by several vulnerabilities. The researchers who found the flaw said they can be exploited to tamper with the device. The Lynx 206 F2G industrial Ethernet switches are affected by eight vulnerabilities, including two high-severity, six-medium severity issues. Aaron Flecha Menendez, Ivan Alonso Alvarez, and Victor Bialo Suevas of Spain's based cybersecurity firm S21Sec have been credited with finding the vulnerabilities. Uh, the researchers told Security Week that several of the security holes are stored cross-site scripting bugs that can allow an attacker with non-admin access to switch the web's management interface or configuration software to plant malicious code in various places. The malicious code would then get executed with legitimate user accesses, the page where the code has been planted. So that's there as well. They've yet to publish, uh, Westermo has yet to publish a security advisory for the vulnerabilities, uh, but they're working with CISA on the matter. The 23andMe breach has reached I think a little bit of a different uh, approach when it comes to, to security breaches. One, if y'all remember, they were breached. Then, you know, we felt bad for them until they started blaming their users for apparently using weak passwords that they allowed. Um, there's there's that. And now we're getting a lot more detail over what data was stolen and what was compromised. Well, genomics and uh, data, essentially genetic testing provider data and genetics uh, data was stolen and posted on the breach forums hack and form the unofficial 23andme subreddit site the leaked information includes data for approximately 1 million ashkenazi jews 4.1 million people living in the uk um the data determined that the actors uh the investigation determined that the actors downloaded and accessed your uninterrupted raw genotype data you may have accessed other sensitive information in your account like health reports derived from the processing of your genetic information, including health predeposition reports, wellness, and carrier status reports. 
Did I extend have also may have access to your self-reported health condition information and information in your settings. This may have also resulted in visibility to ancestor reports and matching DNA segments, self-reported location, ancestral birth location and family names, profile picture, birth year, and anything else in their profile. Introduce yourself section. 23andMe has said in December that the attackers downloaded 6.9 million people's uh, data of the existing 14 million customers. After breaching around 14,000 user accounts, we now know that's not the case. It's at least 5.1 million people who've been victimized by this breach thus far. Uh, We'll see what happens there. But please, don't send your data to 23andMe or any one of these other DNA sites. I know you're curious. Go to a doctor's office. Ask to get the test there. Pay a little bit more. These are commercial companies. They're cutting corners. They're not subject to HIPAA in some cases, or they don't care if they're subject to HIPAA or not. They're just not looking at it. They're saying it's fun. We're not really giving you healthcare advice. It's fun. Find out where you're from. It's so cool. You'll realize you're one tenth, twenty fourth Native American. That's brilliant. Um, come on, seriously. <laughs> this thing, twenty three and me. Really under my skin, under my skin. They're under my skin, y'all. They're under my skin. Microsoft is releasing new guidance for how organizations can protect against APTs that hacked the Microsoft corporate email systems. A few of the focuses of the guidance is what organizations can do to protect against malicious OAuth apps that hackers are using to hide their activity and maintain access to applications despite some of the efforts to boot them out. Midnight Blizzard, a.k.a. Cozy Bear, which was the threat group behind it, and they were behind the uh, HP and now Microsoft breaches. So in disclosing these attacks, one of the attackers gained initial access to a test account. They used it to identify and compromise legacy OAuth applications with privileged access to Microsoft's corporate environment. Subsequently, the actor created additional malicious OAuth applications. They created a new user account to grant consent in the Microsoft corporate environment to the actor-controlled malicious OAuth applications. And just kept doing that over and over again. That's how they maintain persistence. Tal Skeverer, research team lead at Asterix Security, said Midnight Blizzard actors leveraged malicious OAuth tokens because they likely knew their access to the compromised account would be detected. Um, so some of these permissions can persist even if the originally compromised account is disabled or deleted, allowing attackers to retain their access even if they lose access via an initially compromised account, according to the team over at Asterix. Um, so how do you throw this uh, one audit identities make sure that uh, audit identities that have the application impersonation privilege and exchange online that allow services to impersonate a user and execute the same operation. If misconfigured or not scoped appropriately, these identities can have broad access to mailboxes in an environment. Best way to detect this is for the TTPS used by midnight blizzards. This tools would highlight an unused OAuth application. So you can find that there as well. Pawn to own automotive competition ended with over $1.3 million paid out to some of those guys that and women that went out there and just made some money. So the competition was won by the Synactive team, which earned a total of $450,000, including $200,000 for hacking a Tesla modem and infotainment system. Each exploit gave him a hundred grand. 
The highest rewards were paid out on the first day of Pontone Automotive when participants were awarded a total of more than $700,000, including several $60,000 bounties for EV charger hacks and $40,000 bounties for infotainment system hacks. The Tesla modem was also hacked on the first day. On the second day, besides the uh, reward for the Tesla infotainment exploit, the biggest reward was $35,000 for an automotive grant Linux exploit. EV charger exploit earned several teams $30,000 each. Um, Trend Micro Zero Day Initiative is now preparing for Pont to Own Vancouver, which takes place March 20th and 22nd alongside the Cansec West Conference in Vancouver, Canada. That price pool for that event exceeds a million dollars. So there's that. That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back with a whole lot more tomorrow. Until then, have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, y'all, stay cyber safe. We love feedback. So make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.